This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Inside Story on BFM 89.9. Good evening, you're with Lee Chui Lin and Sharmila Ganesan. Tonight, a conversation about making legal services more accessible. So this is because the government is looking into legislating a Public Defender Act, which aims to improve access to criminal legal assistance. First, we look into the potential need for this. And then, how else can we make getting legal help more affordable? So tell us, do you have a lawyer? Uh, and do you find it expensive? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Tweet us at BFM Radio and send a voice note or WhatsApp our U Mobile number zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. This is Inside Story. Is 608. So as we just said, the government is looking at the need to legislate a Public Defender Act and to set up a Public Defender's Office. Now, the Law and Institutional Reform Minister, Dr. Sri Azalina Uthman Syed, said in a statement that input from all stakeholders uh, is being gathered on the matter and that this is aimed at improving access to criminal legal assistance, especially for people who can't afford to hire lawyers to advise and represent them, which is exactly uh, kind of the heart of our story this evening, the question of how accessible legal services actually are right now. Yeah, so um, Azalina did say that Malaysia currently has several bodies that provide legal assistance for criminal cases. Uh, these are organisations like the Legal Aid Department, the Bar Council's Legal Aid Centre, the National Legal Aid Foundation, as well as legal aid clinics that are run by universities. However, she said that these existing services have to be strengthened um, so that the quality of services being rendered and the access to justice um, was improved as especially in cases that involve people from uh, the B40 communities. Um, and she went on to say that legal aid and advice should be easily accessible to any Malaysian uh, or migrants uh, during arrest, remand, hearing, bail applications uh, and mitigation by lawyers in criminal cases. So... The, as, as we've mentioned, the engagement is ongoing. Um, so the Legal Affairs Division is holding a two-day engagement session and workshop, which began yesterday. And this is to discuss the way forward for criminal legal assistance in our country. And uh, that's where it currently stands. So I think we're waiting to see what comes out of that. And from what we gather, um, the, the talks are ongoing. And there are, I think, a variety of ways in which this could go. But for today, at least, we are going to focus first on this question of a public defender's office and then subsequently on making legal services more broadly accessible. And that's where we land. After this, we're going to be talking uh, with Ferdows Husni, Chief Human Rights Str uh, Strategist from the Malaysian Centre for Constitutionalism and Human Rights. But uh, we'd like to hear from you as well. What do you make of this proposal? And uh, do you have a lawyer? What do you think about the cost of all of it? Uh, you can call double seven double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine, and tweet us at BFM Radio. Begin free Malaysia. BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. Yeah. 
It is 6.12. You're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And we're talking today about making legal services more accessible. Uh, And this is because the government is looking into legislating a Public Defender Act, which would improve access to criminal legal assistance. And uh, in line with that, we would like to hear from you. Do you you find it difficult to access legal services when you've been in need of it? Um, And... I guess the flip side of that question is, do you have a lawyer? Do you find it costly? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. 2900 You can also send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. Joining us now to discuss the proposal is Ferdaus Husni, Chief Human Rights Strategist at the Malaysian Centre for Constitutionalism and Human Rights. Ferdaus, thanks so much for speaking with us today. Thanks for having me. Hello. So what are your thoughts on the government's plans to look into a Public Defender Act and establishing a Public Defender's Office? Well, I would say on the face of it, I do see a good intention behind the uh, announcement of of this plan. Uh, And we've seen uh, a Public Defender's Office or some form of Public Defender's uh, Office uh, in other countries uh, already being implemented for years. Uh, and so at the moment, um, it is not that we do not have provision of uh, provision of uh, affordable uh, legal uh, services. Uh, we do. Uh, but uh, I do think that can be further streamlined uh, to further uh, accommodate members of the public who needs uh, legal assistance and legal representation. So currently then, what are the avenues to access affordable legal representation and how effective have these been? Uh, there are a few uh, avenues um, that are currently um, existing uh, within this, I would say within different uh, spheres, um, or within different spheres. And these uh, spheres are number one, uh, provided by the state, by the government uh, in the form of a jabatan, uh, a department, Jabatan Bantuan uh, Kuaman, yeah, legal, um, uh, legal Aid Department. And then uh, there is also, uh, aside from that, there is also YBGK, Yayasan Bantuan Guaman Kebangsaan, or the National Legal Aid uh, Foundation. Uh, YBGK uh, is uh, a company. Uh, and uh, y, uh, under YBGK, private lawyers uh, can then sign up to be a YBGK lawyer and uh, for their services to uh, represent client under this initiative, uh, they will then be uh, remunerated um, a certain minimal amount. And then um, under the uh, Bar Council, there is also an initiative uh, called uh, the Legal Aid Centre. And this Legal Aid Centre, it's funded by members of the uh, Malaysian bar themselves. A part of their subscription goes towards the operation of the legal aid uh, centres operating in uh, uh, in all the states in West uh, Malaysia. And uh, so we've got J- uh, JBG, Jabatan Batang Guaman, we've got YBGK, we've got the legal aid uh, centre. Um, uh, there are also universities, different universities uh, in they are, as part of their uh, law faculty initiative, they also run uh, their own uh, clinic, uh, legal aid clinic, providing uh, uh, legal advices uh, to members of the public. And then lastly, some NGO also provide uh, also provide avenues for affordable uh, legal representation 
um, uh, for example, uh, like tenaga nita uh, or awam. Uh, yeah. So, I guess um, this is actually a question that we've been thinking about quite a lot on our show in general, which is the centralization of services um, in terms of making things accessible. So considering that there are so many different avenues um, and members of the public could go variously to different locations in order to access this, for for the average citizen, do you think these avenues are understandable? Do people know where to go? I uh, So, uh, it, to me, it is not... Um, uh, it is not uh, uncommon uh, to hear experiences from members of the public who, you know, who, who went to J, uh, JBJ only to be told, oh, this is not under our jurisdiction. You have to go to this centre. And then this this centre will say, oh, this is not under our jurisdiction. You have to go to another centre. So they get sent around. And of course, this is, you know, a waste of time, resources uh, and energy. And these are people who who to start with do not have uh, uh, are not well off uh, you see so so that is the problem that we see now it is not that we do not have legal aid services it is the problem here is with the fact that there is no centralization and the whole structure is confusing because uh, you know even to lawyers even to those who are uh, uh, who are in the field uh, it is some of us are also uh, confused with where to go, uh, whether or not this person is qualified for these services. If you're talking about means test, for example, different uh, organization institutions uh, have different uh, tests uh, to access whether or not uh, this particular individual is qualified for uh, the services. Yeah, so if we were to come up with a public defender's office, with a view to streamline all of these different different avenues for legal representation, to me that would address uh, that would address the problem, the challenges of the members of the public not knowing where to go. They only have to know that this is there is this one place, and that one place will tell you this falls under this which case falls under which bahagian. For example. So could you walk us through how a public defender's office would function? What sort of services would it provide? Well, uh, so public defender's office um, uh, would primarily focus on uh, representation for criminal cases. Uh, and so the services here uh, would uh, range from uh, legal representation um, uh, it could be at the stage of arrest, uh, legal representation uh, during remand uh, proceedings, uh, legal representation uh, for trial, uh, all the way to the appeal uh, process. Uh, and so if, let's say, we have a public defender's office, you would then have a lawyer assigned to you uh, with uh, either you know uh, uh, no fee or a minimal fee uh, or a part contribution um, and you will then you will then uh, be given a lawyer uh, to represent you in these different stages in a criminal uh, proceedings 
And who would stand to benefit most from this? Would it be services that would be available to everybody, including non-Malaysians and refugees? At the moment, if we look at the uh, Legal Aid Act, so the provision of uh, legal aid uh, in Malaysia is governed under the Legal Aid Act. And under that act, it says that the provision uh, of uh, provision of uh, legal uh, services, legal representation, uh, can only be given to Malaysians. Uh, and so if we were to have this Public Defender Act and with the current Legal Aid Act, who would benefit the most would be Malaysians, especially uh, those who would otherwise not be able to afford legal representation. And unfortunately, uh, the current LAA does not uh, uh, provide uh, an avenue for non-Malaysians uh, and refugees to access the services. Um, what is uh, currently happening right now is that uh, the uh, legal aid centres that is provided by uh, the Bar Council and the state bars, uh, as well as uh, legal aid, some form of legal aid that's provided by some NGOs out there, these are services that uh, that would fill in those gaps, especially where non-Malaysians and refugees are concerned. Although I have to mention here that resources are limited in terms of uh, funds to be able to ensure the right to uh, representation for all non-Malaysians and refugees, yeah, uh, as well as uh, capacity in terms of getting the lawyers. Uh, and so... It's a concern. I do hope that, you know, ideally legal aid, uh, the legal aid services in this country can be extended to all, including non-Malaysians and refugees. Now, you referenced this a little bit earlier, the question of um, qualified assistance. So how might this public defender's office work in terms of selecting said public defenders? Should or would there be some form of qualification or testing needed? Well, uh, so currently, as, as I mentioned uh, earlier, we have different avenues, right? And some avenues uh, actually, uh, um, well, different avenues have different qualification uh, as to who can be uh, the uh, the lawyers to you know represent client uh, under their uh, different initiatives. I would say that if we were talking about uh, uh, public defenders. Uh, I would uh, propose that some form of training for a fixed set of hours uh, be established. It's actually already the case for YBGK lawyers. Um, so last time when I was uh, when I was practicing, I signed up to be a YBGK lawyer and to be able to start representing uh, clients under the YBGK. I then had to go through a series of training. And, and the way I see it, that series of training is good because you can then ensure a certain a standard, a quality to the representation that you offer. Just because it's legal aid, just because it's a representation offered uh, on a minimal fee does not mean quality. the quality of that representation um, should be compromised or, or it doesn't mean it's okay for that quality to be compromised. It's, it's not. And so uh, to me, uh, having some form of training yeah, uh, uh, in ensuring that the uh, client's right to fair trial 
is guaranteed, is safeguarded, um, is most needed. So at the moment, the focus here is on providing the service for criminal cases. Why is legal assistance especially needed in these instances? Well, I, I let's look at the federal constitution. Yeah, uh, the federal constitution uh, in the chapter guaranteeing our fundamental liberties. Uh, when we look at Article Five, it it sets out the uh, uh, the fact that the constitution guarantees our right to life and personal liberty. So if one is arrested, that affects your personal liberty. Your personal liberty is you know, effectively uh, curtailed in that sense. Uh, so Article 5.1 says, no person shall be deprived of his life or personal liberty, save in accordance with the law. So unless the law provided. So, so for example, the law on arrest. So the authorities, when they make an arrest, it has to be in accordance with the law. And where it is in accordance with the law, then yes, that curtailment of uh, your personal liberty can be done. So that's Article 5.1. And then Article 5.3 went on further to say that where someone is arrested, that person shall be informed as soon as may be of the ground of this arrest and shall be allowed to consult and shall be allowed to to, to be defended. Uh, by a lawyer of his or her choice. Uh, so it is a constitutional uh, guarantee that where it concerns our life and our personal liberty, then the right to a legal representation is of utmost importance. I also want to make it a point to stress here that Article 5.1 actually says no person shall be deprived. It doesn't say no Malaysian. <laughs> so... Uh, so to me, the fact that we are limiting legal aid act only to Malaysians, uh, but our highest law of the land, the federal constitution, say no person, um, that is something we should, we, you know, we should consider in terms of our intention in providing that legal representation to all. Yeah. So the minister says they are gathering input from stakeholders. What would be some important uh, points that you would put forward? <laughs> so uh, today was actually the day two of the engagement uh, that the uh, that the uh, government uh, had uh, hosted uh, with different uh, stakeholders. So I was there also at the engagement uh, today, and the engagement was uh, with different stakeholders, uh, especially from the uh, people running the legal aid. Avenue legal aid services that I mentioned uh, earlier. Uh, there were people from the Jabatan Bantuan Guaman, from uh, uh, from the Bar Council, uh, from uh, the uh, legal aid uh, center, from NGO, uh, as well as uh, academics uh, uh, that are in charge of running the university's uh, legal aid uh, clinics. Yeah, uh, and so um, some of the points that um, that were discussed, and I would. Also, say some of those uh, were I, I had also shared uh, would be uh, well what I mentioned earlier on uh, what about non-Malaysian uh, and there are also concerns of um, well if we were talking about means tests what about those who do not fall within the means test but still on the normal scale would not be able to afford a private lawyer uh, what do we do? Uh, for individuals in uh, those cases. Um, 
can there be a situation where there are conflict of interest if we were to have a public defender's uh, office? And uh, what do we do in that case? Uh, what about funding? Uh, and uh, what does it? What does um, uh, what does a public defense office uh, look like uh, in terms of if we were to have members of the public who want to access the services? What does that office look like? So these are some of uh, the points that uh, was discussed. Um, um, and, you know, I, I look forward to see um, an outcome uh, from that uh, engagement. And I definitely hope this will not be the last engagement because we have yet to see the final details of that plan uh, to set up the Public Defender's Office. Yeah. Ferdas, thank you so much for speaking with us today. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. Bye. That was Ferdows Husni, Chief Human Rights Strategist at the Malaysian Centre for Constitutionalism and Human Rights, discussing the uh, fact that the government is looking into uh, a Public Defender Act and potentially a Public Defender's Office, which would then improve access to criminal legal assistance, particularly for people who can't currently afford to hire lawyers. And so we've been asking you, uh, what do you make of this? Have you tried to access legal services before? Did you find it simple enough? Uh, conversely, do you have a lawyer? Do you Find it costly. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine and tweet us at BFM Radio. Begin fun moments. BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. It is 6.38 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. Uh, we are talking today about the potential of a public defender's office, something that the Law and Institutional Reform Minister, Dr. Sri Azalina Uthman Syed, has said that they're looking into, they're currently gathering input from stakeholders to see whether this is something that is needed, how it can be done. And uh, this is, of course, aimed at improving access to criminal legal assistance because uh, particularly for people who can't afford Lawyers, basically, uh, because that's what a public defender's office should mm. do, especially in criminal cases. Yeah, so for this particular case, of course, it is about criminal cases, but it does, um, you know, the, the communities mentioned, uh, whether B40, whether migrants, um, for instance, um, I think it is important to talk about how... Um, not just expensive, but often inaccessible in many other ways, um, legal services can often be. So um, the push towards something like this, of course, is on the one hand, it becomes much more affordable, but also the centralization, which our guest earlier, Fridao, spoke about, um, and how basically a person who needs services would know, this is where I go, this is the process. I'm really grateful to Ferdows for also mentioning that there are people who may fail the means test, who may not actually regard, I mean, depending on how they set the means uh, for who can access this, this service. Um, there might be people who pass that means test, who technically the government deems able to afford a lawyer, who nonetheless cannot. And so I think when we talk about ex accessibility yeah. um, in the legal setting. That's one way to look at it. My big thing actually is knowledge. And, and I come at it from the point of view of, I think that for many people, um, lawyers are seen as uh, a little bit scary, uh, a little <laughs> yes. bit impenetrable because you only call a lawyer if you're in trouble. You only call a lawyer if you've run foul of the law, which of course ignores the fact that lawyers write contracts. Uh, you know, lawyers help you help you with your house deals, lawyers drop wills. Like there are lots of things that lawyers, uh, lawyer 
lawyers do that don't necessarily fall within the criminal setting. Um, but yeah, I, I think that knowledge is an interesting kind of gap that exists here. Anyway, uh, we are asking you, basically, what do you think of the potential of a public defender's office, um, thereby making criminal criminal legal services more widely accessible? Um, and also, have you tried to access legal services before? Did you find it easy? Uh, let us know. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So uh, let's start things off with a voice note. Hello there, uh, Fidaus here. So in regards to the topic that we're going to discuss about the, the public defender uh, lawyers, uh, I think it's a good start if the government want to uh, establish uh, this public defender lawyer initiative. But as we know, uh, there are already some clinics run by the uh, uh, public one before, as you mentioned. Uh, but the issue here, I think it will be like the quality of the lawyers uh, in terms of the experience and also the workload that they're going to have because uh, if it become like a public uh, cases there are so many cases that they're going to to be uh, burdened with and uh, with those uh, difficult and maybe uh, heavy workload of cases uh, it may affect as well the quality of their their works and at the same time, I think uh, those who are involved, uh, the lawyers uh, who may be selected uh, to be in this uh, the list of the public uh, defenders, uh, they may come from uh, different or many backgrounds. Some may have uh, experience or may not have the experience. Uh, so I think there should be a way of uh, a mentoring system uh, that the government can maybe think about uh, on how to ensure that the quality of the lawyers given to the to represent uh, the criminals uh, are balanced. Thank you. Thank you, Ferdows. I, I think that that is uh, such a good point. And we often hear the stereotype of the harassed and overworked public defender. And I think it's for good reason. It's because they will, um, by necessity, end up taking on a pretty significant volume of cases. Yes. And um, I think the point about then, how do we ensure? Um, well, and, and, and with, with fair um, acknowledgement that it is likely going to be a lot of work, how do we ensure that the quality of their work doesn't suffer? How do we ensure that the people who are then put in this department aren't just people who are perhaps not able to do other things, you know? And it's a fair worry because it's a worry we see extend across our public services, whether our healthcare, whether mm -hmm. our education sector. Um, the Public Defender's Office shouldn't turn into just a, we've checked a box, we're not going to do anything else. We've got some music lined up, uh, but in the meantime, keep those thoughts coming. We'd like to hear from you. Uh, what do you think of the possibility of a public defender's office being set up, thereby improving access to criminal legal assistance, particularly for people who can't afford to hire lawyers to represent them, basically? Um, what do you think of that? 
and have you tried to access legal services before? Did you find it easy? That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp zero one eight seven eight nine double eight double nine. Tweet us at BFM Radio BFM eighty nine point nine. Behind famous men, BFM eighty nine point nine, the business station. It is 6.49 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And today we are talking about the possibility of a public defender's office being formed. And in case you're wondering what that is, uh, it would essentially provide service, um, improve access, particularly for criminal legal assistance for people who can't currently afford to hire lawyers to advise and represent them uh, rather than leave people stranded uh, without said legal advice or representation. So we've been asking you, what are your thoughts on this? Is this something that you would support? Um, But also on a personal level, have you tried to access legal services before? Did you find it easy? Or conversely, do you have a lawyer and is it costly. That number to call is double seven double three two nine hundred. You can send a voice note or WhatsApp 018-789-8899 and tweet us at BFM Radio. So um, Rajesh says, I don't have a lawyer. He, she, they, uh, insert non-binary and all-inclusive identifiers, would be expensive. Um, also, I would like to think I'm an honourable law-abiding citizen, but my non-existent lawyer might find a loophole somewhere and criminalise me. Lawyers. <laughs> Is there anyone other than lawyers who doesn't enjoy a good lawyer joke? Yeah, so I, I this was sent in pretty early, actually, in the course of the show. <laughs> and I felt very satisfied because I knew that we could not possibly do the show without someone sending in a lawyer joke. To be fair, lawyers frequently send in lawyer jokes. This is true. Sometimes they're quite proud of them as well. I think so. Um, but actually, on a more serious note, Rajesh, your point brings up Something that Lynn referenced earlier, right? The the typical ideas that members of the public often have when when you mention needing a lawyer, that they're expensive, that they are only for particular kinds of things, that they're intimidating. Um, And I think all of these, of course, a a public defence office is not going to solve all of those problems. Um, But I do think that that that's one step closer towards making it accessible. Yeah, um, I, I... I definitely think so. Uh, we also have Awong saying, I hope we don't have a future of Hartal Peguam contract a la Hartal Doctor contract. Yeah, I mean, it's early days yet. We really don't know what this, what form this is going to take. Although, I mean, it's not a protest, um, but we have already heard law students, mm. for example, uh, asking for better pay, better rights. This is true. So uh, you're right. I think that when we think about workload, Um, and things like that, these aspects need to be considered. Uh, Meanwhile, we also have a voice note that came in. This is from Hosanna. Thank you, BFM, for discussing this issue. I definitely agree that people of certain socioeconomic background face challenges in obtaining uh, legal aid services in Malaysia. And I would like to share my experience. I brought a stateless person to the KL Bar Legal Aid Centre to seek legal aid. I, I would like to describe uh, the process. So the challenging experience that we faced was that when I called the counter, we were not told about what documents to bring. Uh, so but when we arrive and after the interview, in order to pass the means test, she has to show her payslip and certain documents which I said I could email to them but um, they said that they were not allowed to give 
out the personal email address or any um, email address at all uh, and that the we have to come back and walk in to present the documents so as a result you know we had to come back subsequently and it was just a difficult experience to even pass the means test uh, and we had to go through two rounds before we got um, the legal advice clarified and I know that uh, they are working under constraints of funding constraints and they are trying their best uh, and mostly they are staffed by uh, the chambers but uh, I, I just walked away from the experience thinking that how challenging it is for people especially those who are illiterate those who are stateless and those who don't have the means uh, to even get uh, the right advice and uh, they are just so vulnerable to touts or, or wrong advice and uh, can easily be open to being taken advantage of or corruption so i would also like to mention that they were unable to give the legal advice over the phone and um, they would not correspond by email i understand there may be good reasons for doing so uh, but this results in a situation where these people who may be daily wage earners would have to take leave uh, from their boss to come and uh, you know get the legal aid and they can't do it out of work of hours because uh, the legal aid center is only open during office hours you know and they would be at risk of losing their job if they were to take frequent uh, leave to handle their legal matters so uh, there are some gaps uh, in how we are offering our legal aid services which are of course very much appreciated but we definitely can improve on those Hosanna, thank you very much for sharing that experience. Um, I always appreciate uh, when we talk about these stories, I think sometimes it, it can be quite easy to get conceptual, mm. particularly if you yourself haven't um, been in the position of having to seek this out. So hearing from somebody who's actually tried to do it and what some of the pain points are, I think is very valuable. Yes, and also Hosanna's uh, uh, voice note points out how the challenges are not just monetary. The monetary is a very real challenge, but navigating the system understanding how these things work. And I think it goes back to, I mean, it might not be clear why someone from a lower socioeconomic background might struggle with this more. But I think that the higher up the economic ladder you go, the more likely you would have already encountered various legal processes or systems, dealt with lawyers, have a lawyer on retainer. And so these things are easy. Whereas if you're someone doing this for the first time and without assistance, it can be so discombobulating. Hosanna also says a public defender's office is the other side of the coin to a public prosecutor's role. The state should provide it to taxpayers. Um, so we're talking today about the possibility of a public defender's office. What do you think of that? And have you tried to access legal services before? What was that like? Um, do you have a lawyer on the other hand? Do you find it costly? You can call us, send us a voice note or a WhatsApp and of course tweet us as well at BFM Radio, BFM 89.9. Behold Freedom. Malaysia, BFM 89.9, The Business Station. It 
is 7.08 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. And just to recap, uh, what we're talking about today is the government is looking at the need to legislate a Public Defender Act and set up a Public Defender's Office. Uh, what this would do, in essence, is improve access to criminal legal assistance, particularly for people who can't afford to hire lawyers to advise and represent them because a Public Defender, as the name would suggest, uh, would be able to take on cases from the public. Um, the Law and Institutional Reform Minister, Dr. Sri Azalina Uthman Syed, said that input from all stakeholders uh, is currently being gathered on the matter. So that is the stage we're sitting at. Um, we did ask you, though, again, we like to do this. While the government's collecting opinions, we collect opinions. So um, what do you think of this? But also, um, have you tried to access legal services before? Did you find it easy? Uh, conversely, do you have a lawyer? Um, and is that costly for you? That number to call, double seven double three two nine hundred. Send a voice note or WhatsApp, 018-789-8899. Tweet us at BFM Radio. Now, for the second chunk of our show, what we were hoping to do was actually take a look at what it would take to make not just criminal legal services, um, but... Sorry, not just legal services for criminal cases, not criminal legal services, pardon me. Um, what it would take to make legal services more accessible overall, to make the legal system more accessible and affordable. And joining us to discuss that now is our criminal lawyer, Go Chia Yi. Chia Yi, thank you so much for speaking with us today. Hi, Shamila. Hi, Lin. Thank you for having me. So, uh, as we mentioned, we've been spending the last hour unpacking the proposal for the Public Defenders Act. Um, we wanted to get your input, though. What do you make of this proposal and would it be beneficial? I think it's definitely a great step forward because the current YBGK system that we have, we don't exactly have a le legislation in place. Although we have a Legal Aid Act that's in place, but that's more for the Legal Aid Department that's currently um, in place. So I think this Public Defenders Act is necessary for criminal lawyers and for assistance in terms of criminal matters. But I think the question that uh, we need to ask first is, is before we, we even have the Public Defenders Act, the question is, is the current system working? Is the current system evolving YBGK working? And I think that um, in order for us to give an evaluation on this, we need to look at also the current allocation that the government has given for y YBGK. I think if we pull up the numbers on the YBGK website, we can see that the current allocation is close to 5.4 million. Now, this is actually the lowest allocation that the government has given for YBGK in the past five or six years. So this is indicative uh, of perhaps the government's uh, attitude when it comes to the allocation of funds. So why, while they are suggesting, you know, having a public defenders act or reforming the system or having this consultation, something we have to keep in mind is that this public defenders act will only come into existence several years down the line. And um, the question we need to ask is that, are, are they having this conversation about the Public Defenders Act? Because they're trying to detract from a very important issue, which is the low allocation of funds to YBGK at the moment. So it's one thing to say that, yeah, you want to reform the system, but somehow the allocation that you're giving is not indicative of your attitude about the situation at the moment. So if you look at the current uh, amount of cases that YBGK has taken in 2022, for example, 243,446. Now, um, the claim that someone can get maximum amount of claim, let's say a YBGK lawyer for a day of doing uh, their, their service for up to more than five people in, let's say, a remand proceeding is about 300 a day. So let's say if uh, all these cases are just remand cases, because if they're not remand cases, I mean, the cost would be much higher and lawyers can claim much more. But if 243,446 times 300, let's say, that's already close to 
more than six million. I don't think this year's allocation alone will be able to cover um, what uh, is needed in order to pay these YBJK lawyers. So I think that's something that we really have to raise. I think that uh, while we're looking at this whole consultation period and this consultation task force and everything as a good example, but I think that we need to focus on the short term too. There needs to be improvements in that regard. In fact, the funding is going down, it's getting lower. So in terms of the Public Defenders Act as well, as a YBGK registered lawyer myself, I think my concern is on the administrative part of it. How can this act ensure that some of the administrative problems that currently exist in the system can be rectified? So for example, um, I've, there's, there are a lot of issues relating to claims. Uh, this has gone on from, for many years, since 2015, 2016. There are circulars issued by the, the bar to explain about these issues. So I think the question there is, even if we have a Public Defenders Act, could we ensure that these administrative problems won't exist? I think some of the more prominent problems, and I think like uh, listening into the session earlier as well, is technology is a problem. I think the adoption of technology, technology in this area is extremely so slow because when you go to the panel of lawyers on the YBGK website, it's a PDF. And I don't think that we should be having that in this day and age. There should be a system where you can find the name of this, this particular lawyer that's a panel of the YBGK. There should be a system where you can you know, apply online for YBGK. You should be able to fill in form online. You should be able to have more information there. So I'm not sure whether just having a Public Defenders Act is going to change all this. But what you can do is to show that the government maybe has more of a commitment towards uh, improving the system. But th there's also a question of who will lead this uh, public defender system. Is it the chief public defender? If you look at the Singapore where they have a similar system like that, a chief public defender who has deputy chief public defenders and the lawyers that are appointed are then, you know, public defenders in their own right. But uh, the question there is like, who will lead it? And I, in the question of independence and so on comes into play as well. And whether the lawyers that are appointed to be public defenders, are they considered public officers? What um, role would they play? I think that's, I think, but it's a, it's a great step forward. You know, I'm sorry if I'm going on a bit, but uh, it's, it's a topic that has a lot of discussion that is needed. And I think that having the open consultation is the first step forward. But um, one benefit, of course, is that if we can bring the legal aid department together with YBGK and merge it and outsource some of the work, because most of the bulk of the work is being done by the Malaysian Bar at the moment. The Malaysian Bar funds the legal aid center. The legal aid centers then become the place for people to reach out for YBGK help. And um, the funding for the legal aid centers come from the Malaysian Bar, not from the government. So even if, if the 5 million now it can't even sustain, let's say, 242,000 cases that you know is in a year, then they're not going to be able to hire staff or hire the necessary systems, support systems to ensure that uh, this system can, can get going. So um, we, we shouldn't rest on our laurels. You know, We shouldn't be like, oh, this Public Defenders Act and we can move on to the next thing. I think even this just gives the opportunity for us to even raise more issues about the matter and to really bang on it. So broadly speaking then, how much would it cost to hire legal services? Well, generally, it's quite um, up in the air when it comes to criminal lawyers. So if you're a senior lawyer, your fees might be higher because you are more in demand and your time is more valuable in terms of uh, where you go and what you do. So they tend to charge higher. And they tend to call this like a retainer fee for their services or their time. So it's pretty much in the air. But I think generally a good range, let's say for remand, uh, maybe even a few thousand, like 1,000 to 2,000. It really depends on the lawyer. It depends on the state. Uh, some states may be charging low because um, that's just the general market over there. But uh, in, in comparison to what YBGK gives, like I've mentioned this also, let's say, for example, if we do a remand proceeding uh, for five persons or more, 
it will be 300 um, for that day, the maximum that you can claim. But this uh, rate has been set in 2014. I understand that there are new rates that have been proposed uh, in 2022, but there's no, no decision on that as of yet. So um, that is in general how uh, legal services for the pre-trial stage is. For trial stage, uh, it can go really high. Uh, depending on the, on the offense that uh, the person is being charged with. If it's a capital offense, it's even higher. Um, if it's an offense that just involves uh, the magistrate or the sessions court, then it may be around a range of, you know, tens of thousands, you know, 20 to 30,000. But the structure of the payment is pretty much uh, flexible according to the lawyer and according to the client. So I think um, just giving that amount, maybe you can start to see how it's really difficult for some people to be even able to afford um, quality legal services. And typically, what are some of the main reasons that people from lower income groups might seek out legal help and how might this differ from folks in the M40 and T20? Well, people from lower income groups might seek out legal help if they're, what would we call it, if they're screwed over by, let's say, a, big, a mega corporation or a big corporation or they're, they're let go by their employers or let's say somebody owes them some money or a substantial amount of money they've paid. The, the problem that often comes with uh, trying to get legal help for that is that, you know, there's the legal costs associated with it. And when it comes to, let's say, civil disputes, the, the whether you win or lose <laughs> really depends on the cost at the end of the day. Because uh, sometimes going to court may not um, be the wise option if you're going to pay more to go to court than what you can get in return. But of course, if you win the case, then the other side can foot your cost. But then that's a conversation you need to have with your lawyer and so on. So when you have legal aid, you have uh, like the legal, legal aid department, legal aid centers or YBGK, is that they can really take away um, your worry about the cost and you can focus on the justice aspect of that. So that is the main difference. For T20, obviously, you know, the, rather than they find the lawyers, the lawyers will find them because, you know, they will have the money. I mean, I'm not allowed to say that. <laughs> they don't solicit for, you know, a work. That's, that's not what I'm saying, but uh, that's just, just what uh, the description is that um, the dynamic there is different. Obviously, um, the T20 is much more connected. They know a lawyer, they, somebody they know knows a lawyer. And so they can just reach out and call somebody to help them whenever they need. So, um, and generally their disputes tend to involve like a, a huge amount. Um, but even then, it might be minuscule in comparison to uh, what they actually earn uh, overall. Where else it's more high, it's more high stakes for those from a lower income group. High stakes in the sense the money they're claiming is is means more to them because that's what they need on a, to, to live on a daily basis. And for criminal cases as well, it means more to them because this conviction could mean the difference between me being able to be a public servant because if I have a conviction, that's going to be an issue. And another issue obviously is um, if I get employment, I have to declare uh, if I'm charged in court, if I have been prosecuted or convicted. If I decide to migrate to another country, you know, these convictions will also be a problem. So there's a lot at stake when it comes to the low income group. But the problem is, while they have a lot of stake, they don't really have the, the you know, the easier means to to get legal services. We're speaking today with criminal lawyer Go Chia Yi. We'll return uh, to continue the conversation after this. We're talking today about, well, broadly, uh, the possible formation of a public defender's office, but also specifically how we can ensure that legal services are made accessible and affordable. And that's what we're talking about now. If you'd like to weigh in, you can call us, send us a voice note or a WhatsApp and tweet us. We'll be back with Go Chia Yi after this. Keep it here on Inside Story, BFM 89.9. Best for money. BFM 89.9. 
It's 7.20 and you're listening to Inside Story with Lynn and Sharmila. We're resuming our conversation now on how to ensure that legal services are accessible and affordable for all. Uh, on the line with us, criminal lawyer Go Chia Yi. So um, Chia Yi, I think something that we've addressed, sort of talked around a little bit throughout the course of the show, generally I do think people find the legal system quite opaque, uh, something that they may perceive as only needing to access when in trouble. Do you think creating greater understanding of our legal services would also help to make it feel less intense? Intimidating. I think that even if you try to give some of this knowledge to the public or to share it with them, um, there is always going to be that difficulty understanding the legal process completely. There is going to be a level of opaqueness that exists. I think what would be more helpful is rather than um, devolving that knowledge, we should at least empower them to search for it or make that knowledge more accessible. So I think that is the current problem in Malaysia. So while we have search engines like Google, uh, if you're in the US or in the UK and you type in something, you can find what you want, you can find opinions about it. In Malaysia, we live in a country where it's a mix of languages, a mix of culture. Um, actually, a lot of my clients, they can't speak English properly. They can't speak Malay properly. They can't really read. They don't bother really reading or writing. So um, they, even when you, so there, there needs to be a way where we can uh, help them to try and access this information. So like for starters, this YBJK website that, you know, just been done like last year, but um, this YBJK website could have, you know, been in different languages, could have been in three languages, could have been Tamil, Mandarin, or Malay, English, you know, you could um, provide an FAQ, we could have a document that people can see and, and something that can help them. I think people need to know where to look and if you empower them that way, then uh, we need to worry less about them understanding the law itself, but more of like uh, knowing where to look. So that that's the start of it. Obviously, you know, listening into the session also, there's a lot of barriers when it comes to people from the low income trying to access this legal aid. Um, one of the barriers is the fact that actually, you know, like the number of lawyers that are involved in illegal aid, while they're registered, okay, maybe they're part of the panel, but they're not active in legal aid duty. So like, for example, in KL, I would see it's the usual names that would go out and do legal aid, but the rest, they're on the panel, but they're not um, able to take the time to do it. So some of these problems that exist, you know, can be funding, it can be training, but generally uh, for the, the people that are seeking uh, for help is that sometimes they're in prison, you know, they don't know where to look. They don't have uh, much access. Let's say if their family doesn't know they're in, you know, they don't have money for the, the phone inside prison. Who did they call? Who did they ask? So they're really dependent on like prison officers, dependent on word of mouth. And then it becomes a difficult issue when like I heard earlier as well that you need to, uh, you can't email people your form, you can't email people your documents. There needs to be an embrace of technology. And I think the lack of um, technological embrace by the legal aid centers or YBGK is actually preventing, providing barriers to access. Also one thing to know is um, like we have this system called Doc Brief where pupils uh, as part of the mandatory legal aid, they will be part, they'll be assigned to court and they will be at court to do mitigation and so on. But recently the system has been uh, suspended. So like who are, who's doing all this work? Like really there, there's a lack of lawyers that are about doing it. So these people that are, are, you know, handcuffed and brought into the lockup, they can't be like calling, they don't have access to phone, you know? So uh, sometimes the police don't even give them the right to call a lawyer or to call their family members. So the, they are relying on these lawyers being there, reaching out to them. So 
it's a whole systemic problem that exists. Um, and obviously, you know, if you if you are T twenty or you're rich, then you 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 know somebody that you can call. But people from that background, they don't really know. And I think that that is some of the problems that exist. Obviously, if we evolve more knowledge and we break this knowledge down, but it's not just listing it out. We need to break it in a way that they understand. And I, I think that that is a problem that exists. Obviously, if they know, it will be less intimidating for them. So we had Firdaus Husni on earlier. Um, and amongst the thing that things that came up uh, was the means test. Let's expand on that. What's the current process to determine who is qualified to receive legal aid? And what would you like to see on this front moving forward? Well, if we're just talking about YBGK, then there is basically for the pre-trial stage, arrest, mitigation, or bail, uh, they don't really look at the means. There is no means test for that. But only when they they have to undertake a file or a brief, let's say they have to now do a trial, they have to represent someone for their case, then there is a means test that exists. So in general, uh, from the information I have also, the legal aid department and the legal aid center, they, are, they have a means test and generally it's those below 30,000, let's say for legal aid department, uh, those below 30,000, they are able to access legal aid for free. But uh, legal aid center, they they have to pay the filing fees for those as well. So um, in general, the means test is is something that uh, is for the legal aid department legal aid center. The merits test is, is on the legal aid department and legal aid centers, but so not only do you have to show that you um you don't have the you don't have the necessary income to hire your own private lawyer, you need to qualify for a marriage test to show that your case should be taken up or not. So hopefully that answers your question. So uh, another aspect here is that we do hear about lawyers providing pro bono services. Is this common in our country, and why is it important? I think it's common. Um, not many lawyers go about um, talking about that their pro bono work, but it does happen that lawyers do undertake cases um, for free or for very low legal costs. I think this happens. Um, I think this is important because there are people who are just caught up in the system. They really don't have anywhere to go or anywhere to turn to. Require someone to reach out to them. And just like I explained earlier, they the lawyer reaching out to them can be the start of them having somebody to represent them and so on. And the high legal costs that in in uh, the system itself is definitely a hurdle. And if lawyers were to undertake cases more on a pro bono basis, I think that would definitely benefit those from a lower income group. Chai, is there anything you'd like to leave us with on this? I think that, you know, the system isn't ideal. And the bar has played a, quite an important role in pushing this forward. And I think that there are many inroads that have been made. And I think the proposal of a Public Defenders Act is definitely a start of something new that could either be a very good thing or a bad thing. I, I hope for the former. And I believe that um, with the proper implementation and enforcement, we can start to have a criminal justice system that we're proud of. We can ensure that the right of the uh, of a person to access their lawyers and should. And I think that we can um, be more proud of ourselves as a society when it comes to dealing with um, the criminal justice system. So that's all I really have to say. Shai, thanks for speaking with us today. Thank you for having me.
That was criminal lawyer Go Chia Yi weighing in on how we can make our legal system and services more accessible for all. Uh, and that is it for today's Inside Story. Uh, keep it here, BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.